0: Welcome one, welcome all to what was yet another embarrassment for Syracuse men's basketball. Not much else to say other than this team, once again, uh, looked lifeless in a game that they had to win. Cameron, he's there with you. I'll be with you for the next 20 or 30 minutes on the Twitter spaces. Please, if you join us Request to talk. I want to hear what the entire Syracuse community has to say after SU just simply lays an egg. And that's exactly what it seems like they do in every single game that they have to win. 91-73, the loss to Clemson on this Wednesday night. Fresh off a 22-point loss to Duke, their largest deficit against the Tigers. You guessed it, 22. Uh, I mean... It is so hard to watch this team play basketball, especially when Judah Mintz is playing like he does. That is so difficult to watch. He finishes with 21 points. He at one point had five straight made threes dating back to the Duke game. Just overall looked like the guy that Syracuse needed to possibly pose a comeback. And at one point, it looked like it was to be, right? You're down 11 in the second half, that first half. And we'll talk about that. I know Francesco Simone, another uh, uh, Fizz staffer, just joined the joined the Twitter space. And he'll talk a lot about the first half. But in the second half, Judah Mintz was doing what he could to will the Orange back in it. But uh, this team's just, their defense is so abysmal. They give up over 80 points for just the fifth time this season. Now 0-5 when surrendering 80 or more points. the or, or, or 90. I mean, that's the first time they've surrendered 90 this season. It is so hard to watch this team play when another team is rolling. And you can easily pinpoint what went wrong to Syracuse and not what went right to the other team. That is so, so, so difficult to watch uh francesco um, i'm giving you permission to speak uh hopefully he'll connect soon uh please unmute yourself and i want you to voice your concerns right after i say my big biggest concerns jesse edwards he in 30 minutes of basketball 20 minutes against duke the first uh sorry 40 minutes against duke and 20 minutes against clemson so that's actually 60 minutes of basketball i said it wrong i put it wrong in the tweet jesse edwards took a total of four shots Joe Girard, all he can do is curl off screens and pretty much do nothing because of it. I mean, he just traps himself off screens. And this defense, once again, abysmal. Francesco, I mean, let's start with the first half. I don't know what that was. Can you tell me?
1: Uh, Well, it was bad, Cam. I mean, that's probably the first word that comes to mind. right? I mean, mean, nobody showed up. Let Let me read you some of this box score, right? Judah had nine points in the first half. Gerard had 9 points. Everybody else combined for about 15. Nobody showed up to this game and even Joe in the first half. He was 3 for 7 from the field, did make a couple of threes. He wasn't anything special by any means. Had nothing except two turnovers besides his points. And Judah was outstanding all night. Malik Brown? Yeah, he was kind of there. Jesse Edwards a complete no-show. I know you mentioned it a little bit, Cam. It's it's disappointing to see you don't want to say they quit. But I mean, my lord, they just were not engaged today whatsoever.
0: Hey, Francesco, I think we're losing you. Can you hear me? You got me.
1: Yeah, I got you now. Go ahead. Yeah, just that—that's that, it, Kim. It's just that they—they they just did not seem engaged. The offense wasn't moving. The offense was just Judah fadeaway jumpers, Gerard hacking up some threes. It was disorganized, and it was really painful to watch.
0: You're 100% right, Francesco. I mean, the entire night it was difficult to watch. But yes, in that first half, the only thing that worked, and this this is awful that this is the case, was a Judah three, and Judah doesn't even shoot threes. It's not like Clemson is this world beater on defense. As Duke had right there, their seven-one freshman Derek Lively and then Kyle Filipowski at seven feet tall. It was, again, the same consistent factor of when you put Ben Middlebrooks and PJ Hall down low, both at 6'10 or above, they thwarted Jesse Edwards. He couldn't do anything inside. The paint was completely clogged. Syracuse couldn't make shots. There was a tweet I sent out, and this is probably one of the most embarrassing things I've tweeted out, that... When Clemson was 6 of 14 from three-point range, which is concerning from a defensive perspective if you're Syracuse, the Orange were 6 of 14 from the field. I mean, are, isn't Syracuse supposed to be known for their offense, Francesco? Am I wrong
1: in saying that? Cam, I lost you for a second. Repeat that in the last, like, 10 seconds. So Syracuse was 6
0: of 14 from the field when Clemson was 6 of 14 from three-point yeah. range, and this was like 10 minutes into the game. Am I wrong in saying that, isn't Syracuse's identity or hasn't it been offense? And this team can't score and they can't play defense either? Yeah,
1: see, that, that's an interesting point you bring up. But it's it's a big issue that Syracuse has had all season. What has their identity been? Has it been offense, Cam? Because, you know, they'll have games where they put up their 80 points, But they have a lot of games like this where, you know, they're middling in the 60s and the 70s. They'll get over 70 late in the game. And it's like, you know, they're kind of semi-okay on the offensive end. The defensive end has been probably a little better than last year. But still, if you look at Ken Kenpon, they're outside the top 100. They've been abysmal on the defensive end. If you want to say their identity's been offense, it's almost offense by default because they don't do anything else remotely decent, if that makes sense, Ken. That does make sense. What I'm saying is their identity
0: has been offense for the last 47 years. What? Like the concern, the concern is that this season's team with all the potential that the freshmen have with who are your two main returners, Joe Gerrard, what's he known for offense, Jesse Edwards, he got it done uh, offensively uh, earlier in the season, as well as last season. And the fact that the offense has sputtered in
1: so many ways in ACC play, it's just embarrassing. Yeah, listen, it's embarrassing. You're 100% right. But you know what this team lacks. You want to say they're an offensive-driven team. Their identity's been offense for, you know, since the dawn of time. They don't have anybody on this team who can shoot. I mean, Judah made four three-pointers today. whoop de doo That's the, the last part of his game he needs to get, and he eventually will. Besides that, Chris Bell took one, and he made it. Joe took six, and he made two nobody else made a three-pointer. Benny took three, didn't come close on one of them. Simir took two. He can't shoot. Justin Taylor played 11 minutes, took one three, didn't make it. When you don't have people who can shoot, when you're playing lineups of Quadir Copeland and Benny Williams or Quadir Copeland and Malik Brown, you don't have enough of an offensive threat on the perimeter, which then, by default, takes away Jesse Edwards' inside. You can put Middlebrooks and Hall, just let them – Keep a couple of eyes on Jesse the entire game. Don't worry about anybody else. It comes down to the lack of shooting threats this team has. Not just, you know, it makes the offense less dynamic from a perimeter perspective. It makes the entire offense less dynamic. And you can't play basketball this way in 2023. I think it's the point.
0: You're 100% right. With Francesco Simone, I'm Cameron Izzaire. Post game after Syracuse lays a dud. 91-73, 91-73, they lose at the hands of Clemson, now the Orange are 16-12 and overall, they're 9-8 and in conference play, and if you thought they were on the verge of missing their second straight NCAA tournament, I think that it, the verge has turned to the precipice, and we've gotten to the point where we're talking about this offense, Francesco, last season, in 18 of the 33 games, Syracuse made 9 or more threes, this season, SU has yet to hit 9 or Morris Reese. I mean, so that is where your first problem lies in terms of what you're talking about, which is within the lineups, you just don't have enough shooters. I want to switch to the defensive side a little bit because if you can't shoot the ball well, well, you better be like Virginia, right? And Have a good, I mean, it's a bad yeah. reference because they just lost to Boston college, but you better be like Virginia and play great defense and Francesco, this team can't guard a living or a dying soul.
1: That's an interesting way to put it. And listen, they're better defensively this year than they were last year, which is saying a lot about how bad they were last year. The issue is, and like, I I know everybody wants to blame the zone and say, Oh, they should play man, this, that, and the other thing. Listen, I, you got a point if you think that, but at the same time, you're talking to a brick wall because as long as Jim Beheim's the head coach, they're not going to play man to man defense. So, Forget about that. Why the zone is bad, Cam, is because these players, the young guys, have no idea what they're doing. There's plenty of athleticism between Benny, between Bell, even Taylor and Quadir. They have the athletic ability. They have the size in the most part, too, and the length to be effective in the zone. The issue is, you still got Benny Williams playing up on the wing, letting guys cut behind him. Jesse's up at the free throw line guarding P.J. Hall, and it's a wide open dunk. It's, it's, they, they haven't gotten it yet, even though we're three months into the season. I also think there's this element. Clemson's particularly tough to guard from his own perspective because of P.J. Hall. If you leave him open at the free throw line, he's going to make 75% of those jumpers. So Jesse has to move up against him. So that means your wings are even more vulnerable to those back cuts. And we saw that a ton tonight.
0: Hunter Tyson finished with 29. He just paced Syracuse at three-pointers. When I say Syracuse, I mean the entire freaking team. I mean, he was incredible. Uh, P.J. Hall had himself a day. at 16 and had a dunk that will most likely be on SportsCenter. It definitely sent the announcer, Wes Durham, into a spin. Um, five players scored in double figures for Clemson. They knocked down 14 threes. That's now seven straight games where SU is allowed nine or more threes, and the 14th time this season that Syracuse has surrendered 10 or more triples. I mean, it, it's it's really bad music to anyone's ears. And I agree with you, Francesco. It's all about that's a bad matchup to play against Clemson in terms of a zone and the younger guys don't fully understand what the zone entails. I'll also counter that in saying, I tweeted something out saying this is why Syracuse's zone makes no sense. You're the point of a zone is to yes, speed up the team's offense and do what you did against Virginia Tech when they visited the dome, when they only made three threes and they couldn't put the ball inside. Now, that didn't they didn't have Hunter Couture, so that made a huge difference. But the point of a zone, and this is where zones can go awry, is the vulnerability that you fall into is you'll press too high because you're up against a good three-point shooting team. And then if you have a good high post short corner guy, then that tandem can rip apart the zone and open up things for shooters later in the game. Now, if you don't want to give up anything inside, then you're susceptible to allowing good passes and, and, and open shots. the opposing team one thing to also add 28 assists for clemson that's a season high and the most in the 13-year tenure of brad Brunel. i mean i'm not kidding with this check out the orangefizz.com just wrote a recap article about it the point of this argument is many would say yeah cam isn't that the purpose of a zone like you're going to give up something but the whole point is to pressure both of those situations yes that's the point of a zone i don't hate a zone I hate Syracuse's zone because the way they play the zone, to your point, Francesco, is they just don't play it well. So what they're playing is what I used to call and what high schools around the universe and colleges call a man-on-fire defense, where if you get lost in your defensive set, you are running like a chicken with your head off and you go to the nearest guy or you go to where the ball is. And unfortunately, Syracuse loses touch of communication in their zone about 10 to 15 seconds in the shot clock, and that opens up everything. Opens up absolutely everything. I don't hate the zone. I hate Syracuse's zone because they're not playing it to their full potential. If they played Clemson man-to-man, Syracuse would have gotten obliterated. It wouldn't have mattered if they played man-to-man. That's not the issue. The issue is, well, can they play good man-to-man or bad man-to-man? I don't know. But what I do know, Francesco, is they can play bad zone, and that was on display today. Yeah,
1: no, well said, Kim. I mean, good zone versus bad zone, you're 100% right. It's about, first of all, an understanding of what you're doing. It's about communication, and it's about correct movement. it's also, and you mentioned this, about getting into the passing lanes. What do you? When has the zone been most effective? Let's say in the last decade, it's been when you've got the Malachi Richardson, Red Richardson, at the at the top, the Michael Carter Williams at the top, guys like that who can get into passing lanes, can knock balls away, and make it uncomfortable for opposing offenses to pass the ball around the perimeter. Syracuse doesn't really do that. Judah did a little bit towards the beginning of the season. Benny did it once today but they don't make it uncomfortable for the opposing offense. So when you can just pass, sit around the perimeter, take tack toe, you've got back cutters, you've got wide open shooters. Clemson can pick, can pick it's not even it's poison. It can pick it's cake tonight because either you give the ball to PJ Hall, Benny, Benny, Woods, Jesse Edwards comes up, picks him up. All right. Bounce pass right behind Benny or Malik wide open layup, or Jesse stays back. Hall's got a 15 foot jumper. He's going to make that 75% of the time. Or, There's a wide-open shooter, and Hunter Tyson is, you know, he's 25 feet away from the basket, but there's nobody around him. He's one of the best players in the ACC. He's going to make his shots. 100% Cam. The zone they play is just poorly executed. It's not that they play zone. It's that they don't do it well, which, listen, yes, the players are young. Yes, it's not maybe easy to understand it. It's hard to know whether, you know, it's on the coaching or it's on the players. I'm sure Beheim and Autry and Griffin and McNamara have hammered it into them. You know, since the summer workouts, they just haven't gotten it yet. That's got to also go on the coaching because how have you not at least figured it out to a point as of now, Cam? It's late February. We're going to the ACC tournament in two weeks.
0: Yeah, a great, great point there. 91-73, Syracuse falls to Clemson here on this Twitter space on Orange Fizz and. Uh, Pete, I'm glad that you've requested to talk. The floor is yours. You're currently connecting right now. What do you have in mind? What do you want to talk about?
2: Hello? Hey, Pete. Oh, are hey, Doc. Here? How you doing, man? I'm oh, doing, doing fantastic. Let's, let, we're talking about – you guys are talking about Syracuse. Well, let's talk talk about them offensively first. You, where are the sets that these guys run or are there being are are there any sets being taught i mean you have a coach that's been coaching for 40 plus years and it, it's hard it's hard to fathom that in this that long of a time that you can't put in any sets for your offensive ball club I, I i don't get it you already you know that your team can't shoot the ball well so can we have some ball some player movement and some ball movement to make the game easier for for your young, your younger players. And then defensively, the zone starts at the top. You have guards at the top of the zone. Judah, Judah is doing the best that he, at the best he can. But Joe Girard frustrates me to no end because he doesn't care about defending. He doesn't care about defending. He'll shoot, he'll shoot all day offensively. But if you notice, if you notice, defensively, he is such a liability for this ball club. And, again, the zone, it starts at the top. Your two guards start everything. And like, like what was said earlier, we don't have the long guys that we had before at the top of the zone. We have shorter guys, shorter guards up there now. So they have to be even more active at the top of the zone, and we just don't have that. And And, again, it goes back to coaching. It goes back to what is Jim Beheim doing, and and he's a legend. We get it, the wins, we get it. But this, this is a pattern that's been happening over the past five, six, seven years where it's 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 not it, it, it whatever he's doing, coaching wise, is not being effective to those players that they have.
0: Pete, I 100% agree with you. And I gl- I'm glad you mentioned offensively in the sets because I think that's one thing that's not talked about enough. Yes, coaching, it gets a lot of criticism, but you're right. I mean, as much as you can, your set on defense is the zone, right? You at mm-hmm. least have a little structure, even though it's not that good. Right. Right. The zone's not good, but at least you have a little bit of structure so these young guys can understand it. You watch the offense against Duke, you watch it today against Clemson. And it's Joe and Judah and have fun. Th- th- and that's pretty much it. And and, and the, issue, the, the main issue with that is you can give Judah all the freedom in the world. Mm-hmm. He can drive. He can penetrate in the paint. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, again, he's a freshman. Right. He's a downhill guy. Right. He won't always keep his eyes up. And it doesn't help when you don't have prolific shooters on the outside. And then Joe just wants to run a two-man game with Jesse and yep. he forgets that there's 12 other players on his team and three other players on the floor. So you're a hundred percent right in that facet of your argument. And defensively again, yes, I agree with you. It falls on the coaching, but then again, how many times can we blame the coaching staff without looking at these players and the individual players outside of Judah, outside of when Joe has a good game outside of when Jesse plays relatively well. Mm-hmm. I want to start looking at these players and criticizing them because their athleticism is off the charts. They've show, exactly. shown he can score twenty-seven. Jones mm-hmm. shown he can score thirty-one. Judas shown he can score twenty on eight different occasions in his frickin' freshman season. Right. And then time and time again, the inconsistency is baffling to me. So I understand what you mean there.
2: Yeah. Again. Again. The the like I said, offensively. It's it's all about when you don't have a good shooting ball club. Coming from a long time coach, which I've been for a long time, if you you have to adjust to your players, and if you you know up front, and Jim has been coaching long enough to know if you don't have shooters, you have to install something that gets your players moving and the ball moving around. That 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 opens uh, backdoor cuts, that opens up driving lanes and passing lanes, and then again defensively. It, it's it, it's it's been it's been awful. It has been terrible. And again, it starts at the top of the zone. And if the top of your zone is not playing well, the back end, ha- the back end. Is, it's more pressure on the back end players. Right. And like like we said earlier, Jesse has to step up and then you get all of these back door cuts. Right. And again, it goes back to guys again, coaching. What are they what are they doing in practice? And why are these guys not understanding the zone?
0: Yeah, and Pete, I don't know what level you coach at, but at any level, and as a coach, I bet yeah. it, I bet it irks you when you watch these players on defense not care one bit because there are it, moments where they just me, don't move.
2: It it irks me to no end, and it it's it just it's it's so frustrating that at sometimes some I just have to turn it because the coaching me is like, guys, what are you not understanding? And then again, it goes back to the coaching staff, coaching staff. What are you what are you teaching in practice? What are you teaching? Or what are you what are you demonstrating in practice to let these young guys know? Again, because they're young. The, 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 the thing that you can do in high school, you can't do on this level. You can't right. do on this level. So your IQ has to your IQ has to has to expand. And if their IQ is not expanding, we have to we have to look somewhere, we have to look at the coaching.
0: Right. I I agree with you, Pete. 9173, the loss. To Clemson for Syracuse. Ian, I, I know fellow Fizz staffer, I know Francesco, you've been speaking for a little bit. You have any thoughts on anything, Ian? I don't know if you're you're available or just listening, and I'm not 100% sure. I think I'll, I'll get the, uh, the little modicon that pops up saying that you requested to talk. If not, then yeah, I'll just take it. Here's the request. This is what I like to see. Okay, Ian, I knew that I know that. Or I knew you would have thoughts after the game, and I'm glad you hopped on. So now we've had two Fizz staffers alongside myself. We've had Pete, who gave amazing insight from a guy who coaches. So that helps. But Ian, uh, thoughts on, I mean, what the heck that was?
3: Kim, like I, I've just been in here for a couple of seconds, so I don't know what you guys hit on already. But how many times have we seen this this season, man? It feels like every single game. It's Colgate. It's Bryant. It's Virginia Tech. It's Clemson. Uh, you, just, you can rattle them off, and you get to seven, eight, nine games where teams just open up a can on Syracuse, shooting three after three after three. Like it, It's not that hard anymore, and I've seen some of the post-game press conference quotes where Clemson's like, yep, all we did was throw it to the middle, and then we knew, as you tweeted out earlier, we'd either have it outside on the wings for three, or we'd have the short corner down low. I mean... It's like it's middle school offense. At a certain point, you know that's the spot to beat the zone. And every college coach has their own way of getting to it. And we've seen it done in, an, in a multitude of ways. But I don't know. I don't know if Syracuse is good enough to play man to man. But at least you force a player to be better than your player, right? You force you yeah. force someone. Yeah, to I beat agree. Your player. With the zone, yes, you have length, you have athleticism, some years. But you have a, a bona fide formula if you're an opposing coach. And, Pete, you can speak to this uh, just, just to beat it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, Ian, I don't know if you got these stats when I threw them out there. And Liam Griffin, fellow fifth staffer, just hopped in. And, Liam, I want you to speak on these stats, too, or if you have other things to voice after Syracuse falls 91-73, to 73. 28 assists for Clemson. That's a season high for now a 20-win team. And during Brad Brunel's 13-year tenure, 13 years at the helm of the Tigers, he has never had a game in his career. Over 400 games, I think they said it was. It was, it was something along the lines of that. Now that I do my math in my head, it it's nearly impossible. It was – what was it you said? They're uh, lacking. Here, Kim. I got this stat for you too. So yes, Duke,
3: we know Duke is a team of, Oh, one and done's individual superstars, right? How about yeah. this last year? Duke averaged 25 assists per game against Syracuse. And they had <laughs> over 20 this year as well. Right. <laughs> and you've got three or four freshmen on the floor at all times for Duke. And yes, it's a talented team, but that's also a team that in front of 30,000 should get rattled. Right. Should make some
0: mistakes. They did it for about three minutes. And then it was like, ah. Oh, yeah we got it wow I mean like I said 13 years under Brad Brunel they've never had 28 assists like that that is a microcosm of what this game encapsulates on top of the fact Ian 14th time Syracuse has allowed 10 or more triples now the record's actually not that bad I think they're like seven and seven when allowing 10 or more because some of them are garbage time triples against teams that only hit threes Liam I want you to chime in and uh And give me your thoughts on, I mean, really, whatever. At this point, we're just spitballing
4: because there's nothing much else to say. Uh, Cam, I mean, that 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 was embarrassing. Cam, this Clemson team is coming off of a 10-point loss to far and away, far and away the worst power conference team in college basketball in the Louisville Cardinals Louisville picked Clemson apart, and Clemson did the same thing to Syracuse today. And
0: I think Liam, 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 yep. you know how many, you know how many threes that Clemson had against Louisville. I know they had fourteen tonight. How many did it have against Louisville? They had four <laughs> against four against uh, a team that has won four games. And guess uh,
4: how many threes they had against sixteen win Syracuse? Fourteen. I, I want to hit on what I think Ian made a fascinating point about. Clemson running a quote middle school offense, I think Syracuse is running a middle school defense, can because and that forces Clemson to run that quote unquote middle school offense that evidently works to a T because the vast majority of basketball players abandon the zone once you get past middle school. Heck, we abandoned it once I got past middle school down in Texas. So when you think about that. Like Ian said, I don't know if this team is good enough to play man. They certainly weren't good enough to play man against Colgate a few months ago. And if you can't play man against Colgate, who can you play man against? But just – it's it's embarrassing. I'm at a loss for words, Cam.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's – I think the irony behind it in this whole thing is I was talking to a few people about this game saying, Syracuse shouldn't win this game. Like Clemson before losing four out of its last five, and of course that doesn't include this win over Syracuse – they were one of the best teams in the ACC, arguably the best team in the ACC. Like it, Syracuse goes to Clemson. They shouldn't have won this game, but it's everything that led up into this game and everything that occurred in this ballgame. It was the three-game win streak that hyped up Syracuse fans. It was the dud of a performance in front of 31,000 against Duke. It was the must-win atmosphere of of this game against clemson and i'm not talking about the atmosphere of little john coliseum i'm talking about the entirety of their tournament hopes it was everything that led into this game that tells you this should be a desperate team that needs a desperate win they were to they were i'm sorry bro defense. i gotta
3: stop you cam I, I gotta cut you off man people have been talking about tournament for the longest
0: time the tournament was done when they lost to Bryant. I man. agree. I, okay, uh, yeah. Like, I think it was done when they lost to Colgate, my friend. As much as as much as I agree with that, what I'm trying to say is, through it all, I, Syracuse was never supposed to win this game in the first place. But what's ironic is we can all be so down on this team even more because this game encapsulates what this season's been about.
3: Yeah, but I I still think that the tournament talk I mean I'm tired of it honestly I'm fed up and setting these unrealistic expectations and if we're going to point the finger at someone who set these expectations who was the guy that said this team was going to make the tournament or think and, he thought this was an NCAA tournament team at Syracuse Media Day it wasn't me home. it wasn't you high. it wasn't LG it wasn't Francesco right it was the dude in his 47th year of coaching who's apparently seen it all. I don't and,
4: know, Ian, if, if I can build off your point about people expecting the NCAA tournament and whatnot, I'm going to be honest to you. At this point, the NIT feels like a pipe dream.
3: Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. LG, if they make the NIT, I think most people would be pretty disinterested.
4: <laughs> I I can confirm. I would be pretty disinterested myself. Yeah, it's, the, it's, the It's just disappointed. It's the the broken clock
3: is right twice a day kind of thing.
0: It kind of feels like where we're at. Right. And the only reason I mentioned the NCAA tournament is because that is where, in terms of what is Syracuse fighting for and what is the point of any Syracuse basketball season, why do we even care at this point in the season when this team has disappointed everyone in the Syracuse media tenfold? The only reason is is there a sliver of hope? So that's the only reason I bring it up. And, and I understand that there was never a hope after not. You mentioned Bryant. Uh, you could mention games even after that, where, you know, you should have beat Miami. You should have beat North Carolina. You should have beat Virginia. The only reason I mention it is that's the point of Syracuse men's basketball. And unfortunately now it's a, it's far from reality. And that's what we've turned into uh, or that's what this team has turned itself into. 91-73, the loss to Clemson. Want to give uh, Noah a quick shout out as well. He gave us a uh, a clapping emoji, which is definitely uh, which definitely helps out our points. And we appreciate everyone for listening in. And I mean, uh, God bless everyone's soul here for having to watch that game. That was quite the. Um, I don't even know if I want to call it a game. The, quite the phenomenon that it was. 91-73, the final score. Check out our post-game recap on theorangefizz.com. I will say, if you've tuned tuned in to this Twitter Space post-game between Syracuse and Clemson, it's the most Fizz staffers we've had on one time of a Twitter Space. So claps up for that, Francesco, Liam, Ian. Thanks so much for for joining me, Cameron. He's there. On uh, quite the roller coaster that was post game of Syracuse and Clemson. The Orange dropped to 16 and 12, 9 and 8 in the ACC. Again, check out all of our articles and every Twitter space post game, as well as our Fizz Fives on our website, theorangefizz.com. And we will catch you when Syracuse takes on Pittsburgh on Saturday. And that will sure be another doozy. And if you're sick of my voice, I apologize to say I'll be tweeting that one, writing the article, and being on this same Twitter space post game. So I'll catch you then. Really appreciate everyone for tuning in. And we'll talk to you Saturday.